So I want to say this, in today's economic climate, there are five to 10 things you can do. And we're going to go through those here. And this is why we're talking about this. And I want to say these should be not just an election year. I don't care if it's a good economic climate or a bad economic climate. These are things we should be doing anyway. I think a lot of people are like, what should I be doing differently? You know, this is an election year. If so-and-so wins, it's going to go the stock market and the economy is going to go on fire. If so-and-so loses, it's going to be chaos and the country's going to, and I need to move to another country, you know, like I need to move to Canada. It's like, okay, all right. You need to have a plan. Yeah, it's not always going to be sunshines and roses. You know, you've got to have a plan. So we're going to present that plan today. Welcome, everyone, to the Main Street Business Podcast. This is Matt Sorensen. I am sitting next to the great and powerful Mark J. Kohler. We are so stoked to be with you today talking about what, Mark? Well, it's a somber topic. It is serious. It's what to do maybe right now in this economic climate. And also, does the election year impact it? Mm. We're getting a lot of comments on social media. Hey, what are you guys doing or recommending? Does it matter if it's going to be red or blue? And, you know, what's going on with Trump versus Biden and Nikki Haley? Is that going to, should I change my investment strategy? What should I do? Fair questions. We've got some, I think, some very helpful answers. But most importantly, there's millions and millions of Americans that are feeling the pinch. It is bad. Yeah. People are using credit cards to pay for groceries. They're not sure what things are going to be looking like. The cost of living is off the chart. For a lot of people in certain brackets of income, it's very, very challenging out there. And we re- we understand that. We're about Main Street America. Uh, Matt and I both grew up in uh, simple homes with hardworking parents. I grew up on a farm. Matt was in the suburbs. Both of our parents were business owners and real estate investors, also had W-2s at times. And we just really have a lot of life history too that we hope will impact this, but lots to share yeah. on this. Yeah. I think we're in the trenches too, as business owners and just how they're trying to make good decisions. But we've also had the thousands of consults with clients, seen what works and what doesn't, and also been through some years where it's been tough. Yeah. You know, and had some uh, scars ourselves and some lessons we've learned there. So let me hit the first thing, though, about the election year thing, because I just have an opinion about that. Like you know, that. there's differences of opinion about this yeah, okay. when you bring up election, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> is, man, I have some good political debates, by the way. Not that, I mean, I think we're both business owners and we like good business policy, but we'll leave it at that. But yeah, the, it, the politics of it. It's yeah. Tricky. I think a lot of people are like, what should I be doing differently? You know, this is an election year. If so-and-so wins, it's going to go the stock market and the economy is going to go on fire. If so-and-so loses, it's going to be chaos and the country's going to, and I need to move to another country, you know, like I need to move to Canada. It's like, okay, all right. <laughs> now, Peter Malouk, someone I listen to on this stuff, very smart, award-winning investment advisor. He's done all the statistical research on it. He said, it makes zero difference. Whatever party's in power, he says every year, election year, and this guy's been doing it for 30 years, my clients go berserk. And my message to them, what are we going to do in an election year? The same thing we did the year before. <laughs> it doesn't move the needle. And so um, the focus on it, I think, is a lot of wasted energy. There's different policy things we care about as Americans that get us excited one way or the other on what's going to happen on election day. But from a financial standpoint, um, don't create more chaos in your life by making poor decisions or knee-jerk. emotional decisions, yeah. knee-jerk decisions, or political decisions, I yeah. should say, too. And some people are like, I'm going to leave the country, you know? Okay, come on. All right. Okay. Settle down. All right. And I got those. I've had those conversations yeah. with clients. Um, you know, I, I need to give up my U.S. citizenship. Can you guys help me with that? Okay, slow down. Yeah. So, firstly, my message is going to be, Let's not overreact. Now, there's a lot of things in this climate. It's a weird economy right now. Where I think there's been some winners and losers, obviously. Um, it's a strong economy, but there's definitely been pressures in certain areas. And a lot of people have certainly felt it. Yeah. And we've got a list of probably 10 different things here. We're coming to. 
But we got to get this kind of this right yeah. out of the gate. So I want to repeat that name, Peter Malouk. Very, he's got great book. He's co-authored with Tony Robbins as well. Yeah. Um, please do some Amazon uh, book searches. Pick up his book. I think it would be it's it's. It's very sound, good policy reading. And you know what? His message is very similar to the Warren Buffetts, the Tony Robbins, the uh, Dave Ramsey's, uh, just the Wolf of Wall Street that was interviewed recently on oh, what program? He just, he who was out there on the extremes is now back. I love how you quote him. I'm always like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's out there saying, here's what I learned. Don't do what I did for those years. And, and it's all back to sound, quality, long-term investing. Be careful. Now, I've got an example for you. This is good. Okay, everybody, this is this is super good because sometimes when the storm clouds come, we can make knee-jerk reactions that just really can destroy everything we've been building for years. Two words, waste management. <laughs> now, okay. For some of you that may have been following the news, two weeks ago in Phoenix was the Phoenix Open Waste Management. Now, this has been around since 1937, and they, the Thunderbird Club is the one that established it, has had a lot of success over the years with this really cool golf tournament. And corporations come around from around the country, around the world, to schmooze and have fun. And this is one of the more party-type PGA events. Some of the players don't even like coming here because it's nuts on the 16th hole, yada, yada. But it's been a lot of fun. The last couple of years, this has been a great experience. What happened this year? So in the middle of this week-long event, essentially, I won't get into too many details, Phoenix. It is like, you know, Garden of Eden in February. <laughs> but not this year. The storm clouds came. Now, again, this could be some economic. Let's look at the metaphor here. It could be some economic challenges. It could be an election year. But the storm clouds came. And it, if you want to start reading the news clips, they were actually interviewed the president of Thunderbird uh, yesterday. And he said, everything's on the table. He goes, it was a disaster. So here's what happened. Need your reaction. Wednesday, rain clouds come. Court, you were there on yeah, Wednesday. Was, I was there uh, on yeah, Friday. Cold, yeah, yeah and, and the rain clouds came. They postponed the course. It was mud and water and everywhere. And people and corporations had spent thousands and thousands of dollars to be there. And it was a disaster. And so, knee-jerk reaction, do we give people money back? What do we do? They didn't have a plan. And they said, oh, we'll just let them come back tomorrow. Okay. That was their theory. We don't want to give them their money back. Millions of dollars of corporate sponsorship and tickets sold. We're just going to, you know what? We'll spread them out over Thursday and Friday, and they can, they can come back. You know, we'll let them come back. And so... I was there Friday. It was like Disneyland times three. It was insane. It always is chaos and busy there. Yeah, yeah. it was next level. Yeah. And so what happened though on Thursday and Friday? Intermittent weather. Continued knee-jerk reaction. Got to solve the problem. Got to make major changes. Not stick to the tried and true procedures. Saturday, by 9 a.m., they just opened the doors. They just said, everybody come in, you know, let's just come have a great time. We don't want to give money back, you know, just come. And they estimate over 30,000 people that weren't even ticket holders because everybody was calling their friends, get over here, the doors are open. They estimate over 500,000 people on the course and it got chaotic. I had some kids that were there. I didn't go Saturday. I was there Friday. They said it was apocalyptic. It was, you, you could, they thought it was almost like CGI. How do you get that many people in that small of space? And what is everybody doing? They're drinking. They're pissed. I can't see golf. It's nuts. And it was, a lot of those sponsorships is free alcohol. It was 
off the charts. Now, some of you were like, I got to get on YouTube. I got to read on this. But um, in this moral, the story ends where at two o'clock, the cop said, this is going to turn into something very, very bad. And the police chief said, I don't want to be the next resignee, you know, first next one to resign, says no more alcohol. So they shut all the bar, bars from corporate to all the booths, everything said no more alcohol at two o'clock. And the fire chief was in on this and they said, that'll get rid of everybody. And it did. Everybody's like, I can't get a drink. I'm not here for golf. <laughs> I'm out of here. And so by five o'clock, it started to dissipate. And they said, no one else can come in. Well, I had a, a friend that was flew in a client on a private jet that day for the event. They'd spent thousands of dollars to take him to the corporate booth for the Saturday afternoon. Big deal. We're getting to the, you know, the final pieces of this tournament and couldn't even get in. And they'd spent thousands. So you have corporate sponsors that are now blocked from coming in. People, you know, you watch the YouTube video sliding in mud and jumping in the lake. I mean, it was chaos. And so, but the moral, you, you know, Sony, we're going to see what's going to happen. There's going to be some fallout. But the moral of the story is, and I let, thanks for letting me explain this, because I really is going to set the stage for our list, <laughs> is you don't overreact. Yeah. You don't knee jerk. You have a plan. And that's what this podcast is about. I hope that was somewhat interesting, but it, it's just been fascinating how you need to have a plan. Yeah. It's not always going to be sunshines and roses, you yeah. know, and, and you've got to have a plan and that, so we're going to present that plan today, yeah. but I, I like that. But I, I don't know who said it, but it's always great to have a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Then what am I doing? You know? I don't know if the Thunderbirds had a plan. <laughs> yeah. it something they definitely got punched in the face on yeah. Wednesday and it was chaos throughout the week. But all right. Well, I, I like that. I like the, um, but let's give you some things to make a plan and like start okay. thinking about this and be ready. Okay. Um, okay, we got I, the first five. Uh, you, you go, you go. Hone who says, uh, <laughs> I think uh, he says, um, be ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm. Just be ready, you know? Like All right, I be like ready, it. everyone. All right, so first one we want to hit is budget. And I know it's boring. Oh, oh, that's, that's okay. I've got that as number three. Oh, what was the number one for you? Number, just do a P&L. Well, that's how you get to the budget. Well, fair enough. But okay. some people, you know, okay, may right, I? Let's, let's two, for, two for one here on the, on the budget and P&L. Okay. Know where your income and expenses are. You know what? I need to rephrase that. Do a balance sheet. That's really what I meant. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. I, okay. I, I own right. that. I own okay. that. All right. When I was saying, I was like, why is he going there? <laughs> like, I, we were writing this down going, because we've done some similar podcasts on this and we really wanted to fine tune something for today. No, do a balance sheet. Like it just, what do you got? Yeah. What's your inventory, your assets and also your liabilities. Your debt. Yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah. is my debt and what do I have? How, you know, and that should give you your net worth number yeah. to know where am I at right now? A good plan is has to first identify where are you at? Then you want to identify, of course, where you're going. I like to do it in 10-year chunks and work backwards. Mm -hmm. But let's figure out where you're at right now from and assets and liabilities. That's your balance sheet. And I think even before you get to that budget, you approach debt. And I like the way you talked about approaching debt. It's not just get out of debt. Yeah. Yeah. Mark said, let's just say, let's uh, get out of debt. And I'm like, let's be strategic about debt. Everybody like, get out of debt. Well, duh. But how do I get there and be strategic about it? And there's different examples of this. For example, should I take out a home equity line of credit? When you look at my balance sheet, it shows that I have equity in my house. Should I use that equity and leverage that to pay off high interest credit cards? Should I use that equity to start the small business? Should I use that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's be strategic about it. Should I start stop? A dose, a should I not level. pay off my student loans because yeah. they're in deferment? And I think... If Biden gets reelected, again, let's not go back to election, it could be forgiven. You know, like, these are strategic debt decisions. Where am I allocating my income, which gets to your budget here in a second, to get to tackle this debt that's on my balance sheet? Yeah, I, I like doing that 
balance sheet, number one, and having a plan for your debt, which doesn't mean always a debt snowball. But I will say this. Yeah. If there's some bad debt, and we've had shows on good debt versus bad debt. Please go back and listen to those. But if you've got some exposure there, subscribe to Dave Ramsey. I can't, I can't yeah. say it any better. The guy is the goat on getting out of debt. And now he's going to take a hard line. He's going to want you to get out of every possible debt out yeah. there. Now, we differ in the fact that we like good debt that makes you money, whether it's business debt or real estate debt that creates cash flow. So keep that in mind. Don't buy all in on that. But there's like <laughs> so much consumer debt that need we need to get rid of. He's got great approaches to student debt, how to build a debt snowball. We have resources on our site for that, too. But I like what Matt said. We, we can't go in at wholesale. All debt's bad. Yeah. We've, we got to be smart. So that's number two. Now... Budget. May I turn yes. you loose? Yes. What do you like about budget? What I like about budget, I think, I mean, obviously budget, let's just be clear about this. We're talking about where's your income, sources of income, and what are your expenses? Every month, what do you got to cover every month in your budget? But you should also be including in your budget. One thing I want to make sure everybody's doing is, what am I putting aside? I'm not just talking about getting by. I want to make progress. And, and that progress could be paying off debt, as we just talked about, putting maxing out retirement accounts. You know, we want to be the crowd of people who maximize our retirement accounts, not our credit cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? So am I maximizing my retirement account contributions? Am I buying the rental property a year? Am I investing in my small business to try and grow it or, or the side hustle? Am I investing in my career if that's my focus and, and, and getting better skills that are giving me better earning income power? So don't just think of it as my food, my travel, my auto, my, home, my rent and everything like that. I want to get a little next level on your budget about increasing that income side. Yeah, I love it. Now, my take on this, and I want to repeat this for everybody. We know it's it's tough out there. Uh, we've got family members that we're helping get through this difficult times ourselves. We're making adjustments. And so I want to say this. In today's economic climate, there are five to ten things you can do. And we're going to go through those here. And this is why we're talking about this. And I want to say these should be not just an election year. I don't care if it's a good economic climate or a bad economic climate. These are things we should be doing anyway. And so I'm going to repeat them. Number one. At least know what you've got in the bank. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? Number two, should you have a strategic approach to some of that debt? Number three, and I, I sometimes hate the B word, the budget word. I like just track it. At least tell me what, what's coming in, what's going out. It's so hard for so many people to get on a budget, but at least pencil out what is my net cash flow every month? And hopefully it's positive. Then number four, and I like this leads, leans towards Matt, is it? Taking some of that money, if you have a little excess, and building some cash reserves. This is Dave Ramsey 101 as well, is that crap's going to happen. And you're going to get back into credit card debt if you don't have a cash reserve for when things go bad. And in this economic climate, they could get worse. So once you get your balance sheet, you got your debt plan, you're tracking where your money's going, have that cash reserve. And I love what Matt said make sure you're still building for the future, for that next purchase, that retirement account. And that's where that tracking and budgeting is all about. We don't want it to be miserable. Yeah. You, you can say, I can do a thousand a month. I can set it aside for cash and then for my IRA or whatever it would be. And and I think those are the first four. We got more, but those are the first four core to, to deal with this current economic climate we're in. Yeah. And I think tracking is so critical. Just think of any business that's not tracking their income and expenses. How the heck do you expect that business to succeed? Like it's going to be total chaos. Yet so many individuals do that. So many individuals that their personal budget just don't track it. And they're, they're not thinking about that and being strategic and having a plan. 
Yep. Waste management open. <laughs> Which brings us to number five, liability. <laughs> and there may be some lawsuits, so who knows uh, on that example. Um, number five, do a legal review as well. If we're going into an election year that could be precarious, fair enough. There's a lot of people out there that do feel it could be precarious in an economic climate that's unpredictable. Be ready. I loved how Matt said that. Are your entities all in place? We've got this new BOI reporting for FinCEN. Are there entities you need to get rid of? Do you have an estate plan? The last thing you need is a lawsuit right now. Are you up to date on your minutes and your corporate structure and legal structure? Do you have rental properties and investments that need more protection? I'm going right now through some insurance adjustments from one state to another. Do I have the right insurance policies? I'm over, am I overpaying for insurance? That's part of that legal review. Yeah. Am I lean, mean? And this is a circle of freaking wagons. Yeah. Circle them. Yeah. All right. Beneficiaries up to date on those insurance policies or bank accounts or retirement accounts. I've had life changes like that. Do I have an estate plan? Do I got minor kids and all these things? These give you certainty and peace of mind too, that when you're in a world of uncertainty can give you a little bit of peace and comfort. I think your estate plan is one of those things that's been on people's list for a long time that they're just like, put it off, put it off, put it off. No, this is one of those areas that's going to give you some certainty and planning. And so I, I like that. The other thing that's really unique for 2024 for any business owners, real estate investors with entities is you have to comply with the new FinCEN rule, the BOI business owner information report, every LLC, S corporation entity out there, you're going to have to comply with this. There's a fi federal filing you got to file. We're helping clients in the law firm and in our business mainstream business services, where we help clients maintain their entities. And we have 10,000 plus clients we do that for. That's mainstreetbusiness.com. But that is another thing that you need to add to your list. That's the government put this on your list for 2024, whether you like yeah. it or not. <laughs> yep. I love it. Now these are down in the description. There's our five. Now we get into the next five and these are business related. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't own a business or I don't want to go there. Okay. Let me try to educate you on a few points. First of all, a side hustle is a small business. If you're getting a 1099 for doing anything, and right now estimates are that well over 40% of working Americans have a side gig. They got a 1099 company. It could be driving Uber on the weekend. It could be selling something on eBay or some sort of internet commerce. It could be a consulting gig. It could, any other income you're getting outside of a W-2 relationship, that's a small business. If you have a rental property, that's a small business. You're creating income, not as a wage earner. That's first of all, many of you are like, oh, I'm already there. Yeah, we got five tips for you. But my first one is, of these five, is if you don't, Start creating another source of income to rely on. And if you do have a gig or a small business, start creating more sources of income within that business the, and, and being smart going, I, hey, I got I to gotta create more income here because I need more to fall back on if I have problems. Personally and in your business, that side hustle, that side gig, those extra sources of income, so, so much, so, so important uh, as a business owner and as an individual. Yeah. And I think for any of you that do have the business or the side hustle, this could be your main gig. This could be the side hustle gig is I think the number one thing that savvy business owners do is they are focused on the services and products they're delivering and the pricing. As the world's changing around you, you need to be making changes in your business. If we've had inflation over the past four years, that's been on a straight up trajectory. Have you changed your pricing? 
all of your other, your customers are used to paying more everywhere else for what services they're getting. Maybe this is why you're feeling the pinch is you haven't addressed your pricing. Are you in a competitive business space where there's lots more competition now? Do you need to be enhancing your services and offering more and trying to distinguish yourself from your competition? So I want people, everybody to look at their services they're offering and also the pricing of those services. I think there's a lot of you business owners that are underpricing your services. Your customers are used to paying more and would pay more so long as your services are excellent and you're delivering. I love on it. what you promised. Yeah. yeah. And Matt hit um, seven and eight. I want to repeat number six in our top 10 list is now shifting to creating more sources of income individually or revenue within your business. How could you create more? And I like what Matt said. Number seven Pricing, really looking at the quality of your services and looking hard at it. Nothing's off the table. I liked how that president mm-hmm. of Thunderbird said, too, hey, we hit a crisis. Everything's up for talk, you know, and, and don't be protective or emotional about, well, we've always done this service or we've always done that. Service. It could be a loss. Well, we're going to come to that on number nine. But look at your pricing and product mix and which in product mix was number eight being diverse. Could you provide different services or more services? For some of you, are like, well, I don't have that big a business. Let me give you some examples. Are you driving Uber? Should you pick up some DoorDash and Grubhub with that? Should you be doing Lyft and Uber simultaneously? I've heard a lot of people saying, hey, when there's not an Uber ride, I'm picking up a Grubhub. Oh, when I'm not doing Grubhub, I'm over here at DoorDash. Oh, when I'm not on Lyft, I'm over on Uber. And see, now you're diversifying, even as a solopreneur. You're just like, where can I create additional revenue? Next, are you using Turo? Do you have an extra car laying around that you're like, hey, I don't even use my car on the weekends or during the week I commute with public transportation. Put your car on Turo. Could you be making money with an asset that's just sitting there? Waver, uh, not Waverly, Outdoorsy. Could you put your RV? There's estimated over 20 million RVs out there in America right now sitting on the side of someone's house. Could you clean that up and put it on Waverly and create some income with your RV? Are you doing an ID accessory dwelling unit, ADU? Do you, could you have something you could add to your space where you live to create some extra revenue? Do you want to rent out your basement? Do you want to rent out another room? See, that's getting creative and with, in a sense, pricing, diversification, and mm-hmm. extra revenue. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's just working with what you already have. You know, yeah. working with that property, you could add the ADU. Maybe doing a pad split on a property. That's a more beneficial way to get income. Maybe going to a midterm rental instead of doing long-term or short-term. Maybe that's the right price point where you can maximize this. Is getting creative with a lot of the things you already have. And I'll add to that, this is for everybody, increase your skills and knowledge. Mm. This seems, it kind of goes without saying, but, and you might take some investment actually. That may take some money. That may take some certification, some training. You need to invest in yourself to increase your skills so you're more valuable to then go earn more money and have more income power that you can use to acquire more assets so you don't have to work here at some point. And what's one of my most successful friends uh, was a medical doctor. And I remember him telling me, he said, this is how you get rich. He's retired. Okay. He's my age. It drives me bonkers. But he's like, <laughs> learn a valuable skill. Go work hard and charge people for it and use that money to buy income producing assets. That's it. That's all it is. Everybody's got, you got to earn the money first to be able to have money to invest. Then you got to be laser focused and, and work hard to do the work to it. Then you got to invest it in income producing assets that eventually produce more than you working in your limited amount of hours you can do in a day. There's no more hours in a day. That's the one bad thing about being a lawyer. You can only bill an hour in an hour. 
Yeah. Well, for, for some lawyers. <laughs> and Divorce so, lawyers, they've got a different approach. Yeah. So you can cap out anybody in the service business, you know yeah. what I mean? How did you work 32 um, hours in one day? But um, that's it. And I think it goes back to that very first step of increasing your skills, which increases your earning power and your value to any company or whether you're owning your own small business or you're working in a business that will let you have more income to acquire income-producing assets. I love it. I combined pricing and diversification and product development I put that all under number seven. I created number eight, more education. And I want to add to the more education. That doesn't mean always go signing up for a class or a course or a college class, heaven forbid. I don't know. I love college and university. I've spent years there, but is that going to move the needle next month in my income? And so you got to be careful of what education you choose. But some of it is just being on some good podcasts. Get, signing up for some online courses that could be a few hundred dollars, getting in some communities, whether it's a closed Facebook group, Discord, whatever. And what, what are you trying to learn about? Yeah. And instead of going home, life sucks. You know, I'm not making ends meet. Life sucks. Stop on the way home, get a six pack of beer and snuggle up to Netflix or Prime. That's not increasing your education. And I think it doesn't have to be a big deal. Number nine and 10. I'm going to say these are kind of the cutting piece. See, before it was like, let's generate more. Mm. Now you got to make some hard decisions. And so I'm going to say number nine is maybe getting rid of some things that are low margin. They're not making you money. Come to find out driving Lyft is not as good as Uber. I'm going to go back to Uber. I'm going to, or Uber's not as good as Lyft. I'm going to go over there. Or maybe I've got a product in my landscaping business that's a waste of time. Doing fertilizing over yeah. here is not good. So you're going to do that. Or those family or friends who've been a customer of yours for years that you're charging that old price and you grandfathered them in. Stop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love it. And, and let's unpack that as well as, and number 10 is just cutting costs. There may need to be some employees that need to go. There may be additional software. How many of you have gone and looked at what's hitting your credit card on a regular month yeah. of annual or quarterly or monthly fees for software and this, that, or another, and just showing some austerity. And that means getting rid of expenses I don't need and assets. See, we go back to the original balance sheet. Are you sitting on two four-wheelers or a jet ski or a boat that you use two weeks out of the year? Holy crap. In a climate like right now, maybe it's time to sell that and turn it into some income producing small business or another asset. So I, I just put, so tell me your thoughts on kind of low margin again and cutting costs. I just wanted to get those out. And yeah, the one thing on the kind of the low margin, this is a corollary to that. Um, or ancillary. Ancillary to that. Adjacent to, <laughs> sitting next to, <laughs> related to that <laughs> is some of you might need to hire an assistant. Some of you have low margin work that you're doing in your business that mm. needs to be done, but your time could be better used providing the services, getting sales, marketing, whatever those things may be. And so hiring the people in your business to take things off of your plate, that gives you more earning power to provide the services that have a higher return on your time. Wow. Wow. Low margin activity. Low margin activity. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to write that down. That's like, that's yeah. it. When you come into work tomorrow, I'll be like, I ain't doing any low margin activity today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I'm to, worth more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Low margin activity. I just want to say, we don't want to let the pendulum swing too far either. Sometimes people just go a little too far. They start cutting costs that are actually watering down the soup. Um, Stephen Covey in his first book, um, Seven Habits, was told a number of stories 
a really exemplary of small business. And an example was a restaurant that wanted to increase margins. They were in a tight situation. They had a door, a line out the door every day. And the owner said, well, I need to increase profit. So I'm going to water down the soup a little bit. And for a month or two, mm. profits soared. Cost of food, uh, food costs went down, profit went up. But then the line started to shorten and shorten. And pretty soon the business was gone because he had watered down the soup. And so we, you have, whatever you're doing in cutting costs, it's, it's about reallocating as well and looking at, am I pricing, diversification, product development, and not sacrificing your core value? Yeah, I love it. That's a great example. Let's end with soup. Okay. I love soup. All right. <laughs> I, I am hungry. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks everybody for being here. Hopefully this helps. 10 tips to survive this economic climate and an election year. And I think the first main theme of this was have a plan, get ready, no knee-jerk reactions. You know, let's see it coming. Yeah. And I love the planning part. Have a plan. I like writing down the plan, by the way, sticking to the plan, checking on the plan, updating the plan. Mark and I both carry our own strategic plans for our businesses and individually, like mine's in my bag that goes with me when I travel or whatever. So one of my favorite things to do is check in an inventory or on a plane, or I got a, a moment to look in on things on how things are going, make a plan, be intentional about what's happening in your life. And I think getting a plan on this can give you peace of mind. So whatever chaos is going on outside of you in the world, you at least have a plan for what you're doing. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for sharing your time with us. Very valuable time. We hope this is part of your number eight on your list and that's staying educated uh, and getting better and better at what you're trying to do. The American dream is alive and real. I'm just going to say this. This isn't the first time we've had these challenges. Do we need to go back to 2008, the tech crisis around 2000? We could go back to, I mean, just there's a crisis. Mortgage crisis. How many recessions have there been? Life goes on, you know, how many world wars, how many, you know, you, you just go back a hundred years, go, go interview your grandma, go interview your dad and say, how, you know, how bad is it? You don't have it, man. Yeah. I'll tell you how bad it is. Yeah, yeah. That'll make you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll make, you're like, oh, okay. You know, and uh, so um, I think looking at the, the, the history will also tell you that, you know, the sky's not falling. It's not great, but um, we can learn from the past as well. Yeah. All right. See you next time, guys. Thanks.